Good morning and welcome to church. It's the second week that we can be together and so hooray. We're glad to be able to see each other and spend time together and worship together. I'm glad each one of you have chosen to come this morning. Please stand if you are able and we will sing together. to worship this morning is Psalm 92. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Senseless people do not know. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him.
stand for this next song if you're able. this morning is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 8 to 11. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Good morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. O Lord God, through your kindness and your love, you saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of your amazing mercy. You saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom you poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by your grace, we have become heirs, co-heirs with Christ, having the hope of eternal life. Oh, Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you and give us the courage to talk about these amazing truths with others, that as we sit around the table, as we sit, talk on the phone, as we share with various people, that we would talk about the amazing things that you have done for us and the way that you pour out your love for us continually. Oh, Lord God, there's unspoken prayer requests here, and I just pray, Lord, that you would speak life in those various situations that they have. I pray, Lord, that you would speak your hope in those situations and that they would sense your arms wrapped around them as they walk through them. And Lord, I thank you for Lyndon. I thank you for the good friend he is. I thank you for the man of God that he is and for the father, husband, and the uh, pillar in our community. 
And Lord, as he shares this morning from your word, I pray, Lord, that you would give him the right progression of the words to say and the thoughts to say that you would speak truth to our hearts as he shares from your word. Give us open hearts to listen and give us minds to understand what you're saying to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. I think I got it. Good morning, everyone. I guess this has started to become more of a yearly tradition that I come up once in the summers and get to deliver a message, and I am always excited to do it. And I always feel that uh, whatever passage I'm being directed towards is, is very kind of God-sent and that I am preaching to myself more than anyone. I am he- uh, God has shown me the words that I need to hear. And so I know that in the past I've had sermons that are kind of a, a wave your fang- finger or a, you know, time to smarten up, and that's because those are the words that I need to hear. And uh, this passage right here, I knew that we're going through the Ten Commandments this summer. And this is probably that all throughout my life, the commandment that I have struggled with the most, because I don't know how it applies to me uh, in our day to day and in uh, times since Jesus has walked on this earth. And so, once again, God showed me a lot of new things through this passage. And I'm excited to share what I've learned with you. Just as kind of an introduction, kind of a summary of where, where we've been up to this point, uh, Pastor Russell has been preaching through the first uh, three commandments. Uh, last week, uh, he covered the topic of use, uh, using the Lord's name in vain and kind of explored that. And I wasn't even here last week. And because we're now on the delayed schedule, I have not listened to that passage yet. So that's still something that I'll be doing this week. I think that we should start with some prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak. Uh, I echo what what Sheldon said. I pray that you please just open up our hearts to hear what you have to say. I pray that uh, my words be be left at the table and it'll only be truth uh, that comes out. Amen. So, things that I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about the context behind the passage that uh, Tammy read for us. We're going to explore what it looks like in the New Testament. We're going to explore some applications within our lives. And then I'm going to leave you with a challenge. So I mentioned earlier that this was a passage for me that growing up that I've always kind of struggled with. I never really understood what it looked like in my life. Um, one, One struggle that I had is what day is the Sabbath? Saturday or Sunday? Just growing up in the Christian church, that's always been kind of Sunday is the Sabbath, Um, but looking at uh, Judaism, they take Saturday as their Sabbath day, and there's a whole line of dialogue between, um, you know, what the Sabbath actually is. I now tend to align that I bet you that Judaism has it correct, and that we Christians just picked it up on the wrong day, and I always try to justify this by just saying, well, 
Monday is the first day of the week, so Sunday's got to be the seventh day, and we rest on the seventh. And this whole sermon isn't going to be about that topic. We're not going to explore that in any more detail, but it it was a struggle. It was something that has just always been on my mind, because I'm, I'm always kind of pondering the question, well, why do I believe what I believe? And so that was just one of the struggles or questions I faced along the way. I also, growing up, always kind of wondered why preachers worked on Sundays. And I always just assumed that, well, I, I questioned, like, isn't that a sin? Like, we're specifically told not to work on Sunday, and then, then they work on Sunday. But there are provisions for that, which I've since discovered. But those are some of the questions in my, that I faced in my early faith. I'm also going to just highlight one important thing here before I really get down into the sermon, um, and I'm going to reference this back later on. So I've always maintained that Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. I actually had a friend, I had this conversation with him, um, who were 18, 19 years old, and he specifically told me he stayed away from religion because he says it's all rules, and I don't want to follow the rules. And I've always maintained that that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a, is a relationship. Um, we don't earn our salvation through anything that we do, but rather we accept the gift that is provided by God through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And all of the rules that we adhere to, um, we faith, faithfully follow out of love for our God. And he gave us these, these kind of rules or guidelines out of his love for us. He gave us instructions in order to keep positive relationships while we are here on earth. I think that every single one of God's commandments, both Old and New Testament, are geared toward helping us live in unity. Because if we, if we look at some of those commandments, like we're instructed not to lie or steal, because doing those things damages our relationships while we are here on earth. And God wants us to, to have success and wants us to maintain those relationships. So that's why we adhere to these kind of rules or commandments. And so we need to kind of just keep that thought in mind throughout the, this uh, message because it's going to come up again. So we're dealing with the fourth commandment today given to the Israelites from God to Moses upon their exodus out of Egypt. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And breaking this law was actually punishable by death uh, prior to Jesus' time. And even an act such as carrying sticks on the, on the Sabbath day was, was considered um, working on the Sabbath, and that could be punishable by death. And so... The Ten Commandments were part of the 613 laws that governed ancient Hebrew society. These laws consisted of civil rules that governed the day life of the Israelites. They contained ceremonial laws that governed the worship of God in the temple. And some moral rules, the Ten Commandments, which concisely summarized how people were to interact with God and to each, with each other. And so the first four commandments relate to man's uh, relationship with God. 
while the final six commandments kind of relate to man's rela relationship with, with mankind. So today we'll be exploring that the final commandment prior to that shift uh, that kind of leads to person-to-person -person relationships. And something that I discovered in, in uh, my research is that this is the only commandment that is not explicitly reiterated in the New Testament. So all of the other nine commandments are either quoted or restated either by Jesus or in the words found in the epistles. Whereas this particular commandment is referenced or uh, kind of clarified, but it's not specifically restated. And one of those references uh, comes in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 14. And it's a very familiar passage. It says, At this time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you have known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltness. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went out from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. But he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how to destroy him. So I obviously missed the part in scripture where it talks about preachers working on Sunday because this is probably a reference to Old Testament uh, scripture too and, and they are able to work on Sunday. So that answers that question from my, my childhood. Uh, I also love that terminology of Jesus saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I think the big takeaway from this uh, passage that I and probably most, most Christians gather um, occurs in the words found in verse 12, where Jesus says, it is lawful to do that which is good on the Sabbath. And this passage kind of provides a contrast to some of the other clarifications that Jesus makes when talking about other commandments. Um, if we look back at Matthew chapter 5, um, at the Sermon on the Mount, we can remember some of Jesus' words. He says, uh, you've heard it said before that thou shalt not murder. 
But I say unto you that anyone who hates his brother has already committed murder in his heart. And he says, you've heard it said before that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that anyone who looks after a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her. And so he kind of, he takes the commandment and he kind of zeroes in on it or kind of puts even more restrictions for, I don't know, lack of a better word. Whereas this passage kind of takes the opposite direction. Like I, this is just, I mean, it's, it's seven chapters later in the Bible that Jesus is talking here, but we don't know kind of what the time frame is. But I can definitely, hear, you know, envision Jesus saying, you have heard it, heard it said before to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But I say unto you, whoever thinks about working is breaking that rule. Or whoever walks more than a mile is, is guilty. Right? Just like that's the tone that he took with those other commandments. But with this one, he instead kind of opens it up and kind of gives you more f- freedom than what, than what the people thought they, they were able to do. He says, as long as we are doing that, which is good. So if it is lawful to do that, which is good, we need to determine what that is. And I don't have the, the exact answer for you of how, you know, how far do we stretch that? Anytime I'm ever asked to come up here and preach, part of my preparation involves at some point getting together with my dad the week before and just casually mentioning the topic that I'm preaching on and we discuss it sometimes for five minutes, sometimes for half an hour. And uh, this week was actually a it's kind of a busy week at our house where we're going through house renos and, uh, I don't know, kind of a chaotic week before we're, we're heading off on vacation next week. And so in the midst of these renos, I said to Dakota, by the way, I'm going golfing with my dad tonight. And she thought that I was just kind of skipping out on the renos, but Really, the intention was, I'm going to do my sermon prep tonight. That's what, that's what it's for. And so while walking up and down the golf course, I just mentioned to Dad that this is the passage I'm working on. And uh, first thing out of my dad's mouth was, well, we certainly don't do enough to keep the Sabbath holy. And then we kind of got to talking, and I just uh, kind of reference this passage in Matthew where, where Jesus kind of opens it up and says it's lawful to do what is good. And instantly, I don't think I will ever forget this. Dad was kind of along the lines of quoting scripture here. But as soon as I said that, he, his immediate response was, well, yeah, if a steer falls in the well, you'll instantly go and rescue it. Does the same apply for taking your wheat off the crop or your wheat off the field? Like, do you do it when the time is right? I like the argument could just kind of following this this mindset like you could get into quite the logistical argument with someone as to okay well what is good how much work can you do can I pull weeds from the garden on Sunday because I mean plants are living things and the weeds are taking up their moisture and especially in a season like this they need all they can get my point here isn't like, I, I don't want to hammer this 
over and over and over again or overdo it. But I know that that argument can, can arise of, okay, well, what is good? And we can kind of fall into that. And even, like, it could be stretched further that, okay, well, why would farmers take off their crops on Sunday? I, act I actually worked for a farmer once who, uh, I worked there for one summer, and he had a lot of land, and every single day, if it wasn't raining, we were, we were planting, and then in harvest, it was the same deal. Your days off were when it rained. Um, and I think, too, well, okay, are the farmers simply lining their pocket? Or are they taking that money earned on Sunday and doing good with it? I know that people would be putting it back into the church, putting it back into the community. So is that good? Is it lawful to do good? So we know that plenty of dis discussion can be generated around that kind of phrase alone of, of doing that which is good. But I think that's as far as I'm going to take that. I want to go back and explore the, the actual commandment some more. And so earlier on, I'd kind of said that the fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But if we look back into Exodus, there are actually three more verses that kind of speak to the commandment. So verses 9 through 11. Read, or starting at verse 8, says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Verse 9, six days should you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. So where does the rest come in? For on the seventh day, the Lord rested. So we've already said, it's lawful to do that which is good. So we have a little more freedom to ac accomplish tasks on the Sabbath than the ancient Jews did. Remember to get put to death just for carrying some sticks around. So why take the time to rest? Well, right early on, I mentioned that Christianity is not a list of rules, but the rules we do follow, God put in place because it helps us here on earth. It's for our benefit. And this is one of them. We are instructed to rest one day of the week because it is healthy. Um, I was, went on, uh, just did a Google search of, you know, the healthiness of, of taking a day of rest and the science is all there for your physical health for your body to um, kind of repair itself and the mental health just taking a day off a day to relax and put your mind on other things than than your work has numerous numerous health benefits and so once again once again god has given us a commandment not just as a this is what i want you to do but do this like trust me this is what you do. God wrote this commandment for us. And for keeping the Sabbath holy. So we know the importance of rest. We know that it is permissible to do that which is good on the Sabbath. But how do we keep it 
holy. So remember the first thing that my dad said when I told him I was preaching this Sunday on this topic, his response was, well, I know that we don't do enough to keep the Sabbath holy. I know that for myself, I used to think of myself as always falling short on this commandment. I grew up always like always in the mindset that ah, the only thing I do on the Sabbath is come to church. Or that's the only thing to be holy on the Sabbath is I come to church. And I used to think of this with a really kind of critical lens. But today I'm going to encourage you because right now you are keeping the Sabbath holy. We're gathered as 50 to 100 believers singing praise and worship toward God. We are unifying in prayer and giving praise and giving glory to God. And you are setting time out of your busy week to specifically dedicate to God. So we are not just doing church, but we are honoring the commandment right now. So hopefully that encourages you, but I will still hand out a challenge as well. I want you to keep this going. I want us, I want me, to keep this going when we exit the walls. To remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. One recommendation, one thing that we can try, is similar to how during the Lent season, we give something up to focus our eyes towards God. Think of what you can do on Sundays to focus your eyes on God. I know I've heard of people who cut technology out of their lives just on Sundays. Um, I know of people who give up sports on that particular day or add something to their day to refocus on God. Maybe it's an additional time spent in scripture. But my challenge to each of us here is that we make some sort of change to help us focus our eyes more on God and to honor the Sabbath. There's some conditions of that change, though, that we're going to make. Two conditions. Number one, it has to be done with a cheery heart. We are not going to be the hypocrites who are fasting so that everyone can see us in our suffering but we are going to glorify God. We are not giving something up so that everyone can see how devoted we are, but rather we're giving something up because we are going to glorify God. And finally, step two in the condition of, uh, of whatever change you're going to make is don't cut out something that is good. Uh, when I was grade seven, I can remember I played hockey with a ki uh, kid who was not allowed to play on Sundays. I don't know for certain that it was a choice he specifically made, but coming from mom and dad, that was the decision. He was playing league hockey. We practiced all during the week. We often had games on Saturdays and Sundays. He was not to play on the Sunday games. And that was part of their way of honoring the Sabbath. I can remember actually carpooling with this, with this guy to hockey, and our dads were, were driving together. And 
my dad brought it up that, yeah, we, we really should have done the same with Linden. We should have pulled them out on Sundays. But when I started playing hockey, I was the only goalie on the team. And then for about half of our games, more or less, I wouldn't be available. So, so it was just, yeah, I would go to hockey both days. And now a couple of years into the system, we did have two goalies, but a precedence had been set, I suppose. Um, but I have played hockey, soccer, basketball, played, had to play every day of the week, played on Sundays. And those are some of my biggest calls to ministry. And I have had more talks about God with non-believers on those carpool rides to these various sporting events. Um, I remember I had to miss church a number of times to play basketball in the last few years. And I have never felt uh, a shred of guilt from the enemy for doing it. Because on those car rides is when I have the most meaningful conversations with believers and non-believers. And so if if we're looking to make a change in our life to honor the Sabbath, don't cut out something that Jesus would deem as lawfully good. When you're resting on the Sabbath, don't cut out something that rejuvenates you. Rest means, I mean, we tend to think of rest as, okay, sit on the couch a little more today. But for me, revamping my brain is going to the golf course or getting outside and moving, going for a bike ride. Don't cut out something that is healthy, that is good, that rejuvenates you. So, we've explored some of the context of the passage. We looked at what the importance of rest is on the Sabbath. We explored ways to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we dissected a little bit of what that uh, keeping the Sabbath holy means. And even issued a challenge moving forward. I'm sure that many of you are aware, but maybe some of you aren't aware that I'm a school teacher. And in my tests at school, I always give a bonus question. A chance for students to go above and beyond. So you've already got the challenge that's been issued to all of you. Here's your bonus assignment for the, for the keeners. Your bonus assignment this week is to read Romans 14. Either just reflect on it or more preferably discuss it in relation to this sermon with your partner or your kids or your friends or Track me down and just let me know what you come up with. Romans 14 is the kind of context um, talking about not passing judgment on others and what's right for someone might not be right for you, and that's okay. They talk about, uh, they kind of mention, one of the lines is, some of you set out one day aside as holier than others, others... Treat all days the same. And it kind of provides some context there. So have a read. And that's it. That is the sermon for today. I will close in prayer, though. 
And I'm going to use some of that language that, uh, that Jesus speaks of, being Lord of the Sabbath. Please bow with me. Father God, it's so easy for all of us to fall into legalism, and sometimes we care so much about getting the details right that we forget the main thing. Father, we pray that you forgive us. Help us, Lord, to discover how we might honor the Sabbath in our own lives. For some of us, this might be a new thought. We don't even really know where to start. So teach us, Lord of the Sabbath, how to rest. And in our rest, may we learn how to do good for others by sharing your healing love. Let us be instruments of your healing with the people of, in our lives, even and especially on the Sabbath. Amen. Thank you, Lyndon, for that challenge. Please join us in singing in the rifted rock, I'm resting. this morning, read the benediction, listen carefully. May the God of peace, 
this comes out of Hebrews, of may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the, of, of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, will as you think about how to keep the Sabbath. And may God work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.